We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. And as always, we're sponsored by Cooper's Brewing. You can visit the brewery in Santa Rosa. You can get some delicious beer there. The vibes are good. The food trucks are always great. And if you can't make it, or if you go and you're just hanging out at home and want some beer delivered to your front doorstep, well, do I have the website for you? cooperagebrewing.com is where you're going to want to go. It's so serious that I don't even do the game. It's com. Cooperagebrewing.com. <laughs> go there. If you're over 21 and in the state of California, they will ship beer directly to your front door. Got to order it by the case. And there's no better way to get a case of beer than to have it dropped on your front doorstep. It's the very best thing. Cooperagebrewing and cooperagebrewing.com. Let's talk about this 49ers win over the Las Vegas Raiders. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver territory! Kittle is gonna go! Touchdown! Bosa's got him, and a second back inside the 30-yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13-yard loss. Like the 49ers were due for one of those. One of those games where they just kind of inexplicably let a bad team hang around. Because they haven't had one of those in in, in since since the Falcons game. Yeah, it felt like they had about the same level of respect for Jarrett Stidham as a starting quarterback as you and I did. Yes. Talking about him going into this game. Um, it just seemed like the defense it was a really bad game for the defense. I think that's uh, there's just no way to really say it <laughs> like I, I, any other way. Like I think they just played really poorly. I think they underestimated Stidham. I think they weren't prepared for his mobility. I think Fred Warner had probably his worst game of the season. Um, mm. Dre Greenlaw getting hurt was also problematic. The pass rush wasn't effective as it normally is. Diamador Lenore had multiple plays and at, at in the middle of the game I'm like is is Diamador Lenore going to get benched at some point like that thought was rolling Dude. through my head um Talano Hufanga was biting on play action and then playing the quarterback run too much leaving guys in coverage um I think Tashawn Gibson some of his limitations in coverage were were becoming apparent but at the same time like I don't know that I feel that, that like it was problematic for sure, but it wasn't one of those games where I'm like, oh man, 49ers defense has to go back to the drawing board. 
I just think they were facing an opponent that one, they didn't know, like they didn't really know what Jared Stidham was going to bring to the table. And two, I think they kind of had the feeling, and this was like the human nature element that I talked about before the Washington game, like wondering if the Niners were going to have the, you know, the emotional intensity it's going to take to win an elf, an NFL game against Washington. Mm-hmm. That ended up being the problem in this game, in my opinion. Um, so the defense couldn't get any stops. The offense in the first half got backed up late in the second quarter. Um, Trent Williams had a couple uncharacteristic penalties leading to two on one drive. Yeah, two on one drive that led to them punting from their own end zone. And then the Raiders starting that drive at the end of the second quarter from the Niners 44. And that led to Devontae Adams um, four yard touchdown again with Warner. Like they had a third and 12. It looked like they're about to get off the field. Warner grabs a Hunter Renfro's face mask on a play that clearly should not have gotten a first down. It gets a first down. Devontae Adams, 60 yard touchdown comes a couple plays later. Like it was, it was just an uncharacteristic game. And, and I'm, I'm more inclined to think of it as a one-off blip on the radar type performance, but there are also some red flags that became apparent. Like, all right, if the 49ers play a more capable and more talented offense in the playoffs, you're going to be worried about some of those things that we saw on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And specifically Diamador Lenore, that was the big thing that jumped out to me. Like they were, they were purposely isolating and targeting him and he wasn't up to the task. Like, And that's not to like, that's not to drag Lenore. Like Devonte Adams is a hard cover. Darren Waller is a hard cover. Devonte Adams is a hall of famer. Right. Devon- <laughs> Correct. And Darren Waller is one of the, what, three best pass catching tight ends in the league right now. So it's not, it's not to say that, that Lenore is, is incapable, but that's something that the Niners are going to have to figure out moving forward. Because to your point, that's not something that's going to just change overnight. Like Diamond Lenore is not just going to get better tomorrow or next week. That's something that teams are going to circle on tape. And the Niners are going to have to figure out how to keep him out of those spots. I would love to. There was a problem to Yeah. And and I think that speaks to why D'Amico Ryans in the last few games had had uh, Mooney Ward shadowing the other team's best receiver. Mm -hmm. In Seattle, it was DK Metcalf. He was following DK Metcalf all over the field, not just lining up um, on one side. And I would have thought Devontae Adams, if you're going to do it, against any opponent you play this year, doing it against Devontae Adams would make the most sense. And for whatever reason, the Niners decided to stop shadowing the best receiver with their best corner this week. And ultimately, I think if that were a playoff game, they absolutely would have. Um, But it was just kind of a weird deviation from what had been working, I thought. Because like even against Washington, Ward was was matched up against um, Terry McLaurin throughout the like most of that game, right? Uh, so it was just, it was odd that they decided to go away from that, and it obviously hurt him. Adams has seven catches for and two touchdowns. Um, the the sixty yard one just again another just completely busted coverage. There were I think nine plays of at least twenty yards that mm-hmm. that the Raiders had, and the 49ers defense typically throughout the last few years has been among the best in the league at limiting big plays. So I thought that was obviously a huge issue. Um, so. You know, like 
as bad as it looked defensively, I, I do kind of think about 2019 and like that Saints game. And I know a couple couple Niners players mentioned it to reporters that like it felt similar to that game. That game, obviously, the, the 49ers defense really, really struggled to get stops and the offense needed to bail them out. And maybe they, they're just going to need one of those games a year. But still, to do it against like that, that was against Drew Brees Thank like, you. in yes. New Orleans. Yeah, This is Jarrett Stidham in his first NFL start. Right. Um, so there is a little bit like there, there are a couple things like there's that factor, like maybe, maybe the, as good of a defense as the 49ers have, maybe every year there's just one or two games where it's like, you need the offense to go hang 40 points. Like maybe that's just, you know, the, just something that has to happen for a defense like that. Like, sure. Maybe also like we've, we've talked about. So like in talking about the 49ers quarterback situation and trying to evaluate whether or not a guy playing well early on is real, like, you know, Nick Mullins in his first start against the Raiders in 2018 was immaculate, Mm -hmm. right? Like there sometimes when you're playing a quarterback for the first time and you don't know any of his tendencies, there's one, just all of the unknown, right? That you, that you just aren't really ready to to play that guy in the sense of like, you don't have a breadth of games to look at and evaluate their strengths and weaknesses and all that stuff. And two, the, the human nature element of like, we're just going to roll this guy. All we got to do is just show up, play, and we're going to beat this team by double digits. And when I woke up this morning, that's what I kind of thought was going to happen. But mm-hmm. clearly, you know, Nick Bosa said it like the NFL will humble you hundred percent of the time. I think the 49ers got humbled and we'll see if, I mean, they got the win. It's the most important thing. They're the two seed in the NFC now. We'll see if that was like a real problematic game from the defense. Like, oh, all these flaws were exposed. Or if there's a silver lining, like, oh, this forces the 49ers to take a deep look at what they need to clean up. And then Mm -hmm. it leads to them making a concerted effort to clean up a lot of those issues going into the playoffs. I tend to think it's the latter. But given some of the some of the issues that they've had, particularly in the secondary, I'm not completely closed off to the idea of like, man, maybe in the playoffs they could face somebody who could really take advantage of some of their weaknesses on defense. Yeah, especially when you just kind of look up and down the the NFC, save for the Giants who are doing it with like Richie James it, and a guy named like Isaiah Hodgins, I think is his name. Which is which is nuts. Every team has has receivers. Washington, Detroit, Green Bay, and less so Green Bay, but um, Washington, Detroit, Seattle, um, Dallas, Tampa Bay. Like every team has has guys who can play. Now, the thing I'm interested to see is what the Raiders did that none of those other teams could really do against San Francisco. And how much of it was what you're talking about with human nature? Like the Niners thought they were throw throw their helmets on the field and go win. And go, oh, it's Jared Stidham. Um, and it wasn't anything. It was it was just small attention to detail stuff. That it was a penalty here, and the first the first freaking play of the game, the kickoff. Tay Martin, receiver up from the practice squad, is just offsides on the kickoff. And I don't want to. I don't want to galaxy brain this, but it's like, that's the kind of mistake of a team. That's just like, not quite focused that day. Like they weren't locked in. Like they were trying, 
but you know Hufanga flying up on play action that's just a that that's just bad attention to detail that's just not not being focused the way I focused is that the word I'm looking for They're just not being dialed in the way they needed to and that happens um you know a lot of people brought up that Saints game I thought of the the Falcons game the couple weeks after the Saints game or no the week after the week after the Saints game where they were a little bit banged up but just got beat by a Falcons team that I had no business beating them it just had that kind of vibe but they were good enough offensively today to or the Raiders are bad enough defensively that they're able to to overcome it so I'm not super concerned because if any defensive coordinator is going to figure that out schematically with with the Amador Lenore it's it's D'Amico Ryan's but I'm really interested to see what it looks like next week and how they bounce back because I do think getting punched in the mouth before the postseason is probably I think in the long run a good thing yeah I would agree and obviously Drake are gonna win yeah Drake Drake Greenlaw's injury I think is gonna be worth monitoring because I think I've been of the mind with Greenlaw like he's been a really good player but there wasn't that like coming into the season I didn't believe there was that much of a drop off between Greenlaw and Aziz Alshire I think mm-hmm. the way Greenlaw's played this year, he's created more of a gap between the two and I made agree. himself a little bit more difficult to replace. And I think that's certainly part of it. And like particularly, you know, the a, a big thing with Greenlaw being healthy is the fact that, you know, Aziz Alshire is a really good third linebacker. He's a, he's an okay, like decent second linebacker. But Oren Burks being on the field in base situations when you're missing one of your top three guys. I think there's a pretty precipitous drop off there. Like Warren Burks is, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I just we you remember, I mean, I, I don't know. I, he wasn't he didn't really stand out as a guy that like, oh man, he's you feel super solid with him in there, right? Just a guy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, there's a chance they just shut out the Cardinals next week. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, it's definitely on the table, for sure. So unless they overlook the quarterback. And Nick Bosa just just pushing Colton Miller into Stidham and just st- st- pushing him into the quarterback and forcing that terrible throw um, in overtime for to allow Gibson to make the pick and then set up the game-winning field goal. Like I kind of thought Nick Bosa wrapped up defensive player of the year last week against Washington. I mean, this he didn't have he didn't have any sacks today, but that play was like it, it was the defensive player of the game for the Niners. Yeah, we pretty, talked about it. Clearly. We talked about it earlier in the week, too. Like, there was just going to be... Like, he wasn't super effective today. There were a couple times where he got really close to his sack and then just didn't get home. But other than that, he was very quiet defensively. But come overtime... What was it? The second play of overtime? Third play of overtime? It was just that, okay, the Nick Bosa is just going to go... Like, he's just not going to be blocked on this play. And rather than trying to go around the guy, he just goes through him. And Justin Smith-ish by just driving the offensive lineman into the quarterback, although Justin Smith would have then just tackled them both. But uh, really, really awesome play by by Bosa. And I love the camera angle of him running off with his arms in the air before Gibson has the ball. Yeah. That was that was pretty cool. So, I mean, the the bigger deal for, for the Niners that they won, because now they're in the two seed, and if Philly, for whatever reason, slips up against the Giants team that has nothing to play for next week, 
and the Niners take care of business against the Cardinals. Niners all of a sudden have a buy. Yeah. Which is not something I was something I thought would be off the table here in the last two weeks, and it's not. So that would have that would have been a brutal loss to Jared Stidham in a game, in a quote unquote road game, but where you had the home field advantage. And you get the loss you've needed from the Vikings finally. And the Eagles lose, just keep that one seed open. And they they crapped the bed. That would have been tough. That would have been really bad. Do you want to talk about Brock, Brock Purdy? I guess we probably should. A little bit shakier than we've seen. The first half, I kind of throw like I thought he played pretty well in the first half. To be honest, I know the numbers were there weren't there. Like seven of ten, thirty-eight yards. They ran the ball fifteen times in the first half to just ten pass attempts. And I think his numbers obviously would have looked a lot different had they had a normal drive instead of being so backed up after the goal line stand. Mm-hmm. Um, in the second quarter, but just it felt like he was just a hair off on a lot of different plays. Whether it was being a split second late to George Kittle at the goal line over the middle, right, uh, missing a few guys downfield, um, just being a little bit inaccurate, like that throw in the fourth quarter to Juwan Jennings um near the right pylon like if that's a little bit deeper and a little more inside i feel like jennings is is celebrating a touchdown there Mm -hmm. um the throw to kittle was uh the on the very next play was like low and behind him clearly like a miscommunication there he -hmm. just seemed a little bit more i don't know if fidgety is the word but just a little less calm than he than he had typically been um and it wasn't a bad game because he did have 246 yards in the second half after mm-hmm. having just 38 in the first. Um, and they did win. And ultimately, the big question we had about Brock Purdy and our, our buddy Nick Wagner wrote about it at ESPN was like, OK, he's had a lead basically the entire time he's been the 49ers starting quarterback. With the exception of coming in in the 7 nothing deficit in, against Miami when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. They had a 10 they had a 10 point deficit in the second half, a game in which, or a situation in which the 49ers have typically been terrible at, I think they were, they improved to like two and 22 in such scenarios mm-hmm. um, since Kyle Shanahan's been coached. So the Niners have just not been able to come back from double digit deficits in the second half of games for whatever reason. Well, you know, we can nitpick Brock, Brock Purdy's day and whether or not he underthrew some guys, including, you know, the deep ball to George Kittle that got intercepted. Man. Yeah. But ultimately, they won a game in which they were trailing by double digits in the second half. And that's not something that I think 49ers fans should take for granted, given what the history has been under Kyle Shanahan. And that's probably been the knock under Kyle Shanahan, I guess, is like, sure. Once they once they're down, then it, it becomes problematic because um, they just feel like a team with the way they run the ball. If, like if they get ahead and the defense is allowed to pin its ears back in obvious passing situations, then that's sort of the Niners' formula, right? They mm-hmm. haven't really been built to come from behind, but they did today. And I think ultimately, like, that's pretty encouraging. And, it like, you, you don't want to get there the way they got there with their defense playing as uncharacteristically bad as it was. Mm-hmm. But to have a scenario where you're going into the postseason – um, on the road, down ten points in the what was it? You know, in the in the third quarter, 
to be able to bounce back and, and get what you need, even get, you know, a potential game winning um, field goal drive at the end of regulation. And then obviously they won it in yeah. overtime, but to just be, to, to have Brock Purdy put them in position to win the game in regulation there um, was, I think, pretty positive. And, you know, it was just slant after slant after slant to Brandon Ayuk. Because that is hard to cover. Brandon Ayuk's a good a good receiver, like a really good receiver. He had six for eighty six catches for eighty one yards in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that was that was big time. <laughs> they really nuts. needed that. They really yeah. needed that. And so, um, you know, when you do get and, Debo Samuel back, you, when teams are focused on Christian McCaffrey, and you can get George Kittle open in space, like when that stuff gets taken away. And then you can just like have a receiver win his one on ones and and hit him for those quick hitters. Like that's that can be a pretty valuable thing, and we saw that. Yeah, and just to just to the point about Purdy struggling early in the game. This is now the third time we've seen him kind of struggle or have some hiccups or make some mistakes where he bounces back and plays well late in the game, and I think that's a pretty significant deal. And one of the things we talked a lot about, uh, you and I, and and just the discourse on the internet and, and on Sports Talk Radio is, well, what does it look like when things don't go well? What does it look like when Purdy has to put the team on his back and they are trailing? How does he respond? And, well, he responded pretty well. He played a, a really good game in the second half. And it was by no means perfect, but it was good enough. Like they averaged over seven yards of play. Okay, Kyle and, Shanahan. Uh huh. <laughs> it was by no means perfect, is what Kyle Shanahan says after every single game in every single press conference. Oh, okay. But maybe that's why it was in my head. I mean, it's a 49ers pod. So good job by yeah. you. Thanks. <laughs> um, I don't even know if we're going to be alive tomorrow. Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> sorry for interrupting you. Uh, no, it's okay. I should go put a trucker hat on. So, Vodka Rebel. <laughs> Blueberry. Okay. Bits over. Bits over. Here we go. So, it wasn't it wasn't perfect, but he played well enough down the stretch. He averaged 8.1 yards per attempt. He threw for, like you said, 246 yards in the second half. And was it a lot of yak for sure? But there were a lot of big time throws in there too, where, I mean, the fact that he didn't just crumple up after struggling early and you get in a situation where, okay, they score late and then the Raiders go down and score again. And so you get the ball after the minute 11 and they set up a 43 yard field goal. Like that's a makeable field goal. Oh yeah. That's a kick you expect Robbie gold to make. Yeah. So, I was I was really thoroughly impressed with Brock Purdy today. Being able to it, it reminded me a little bit of I'm gonna use a baseball metaphor here. When a pitcher just doesn't have their best stuff on a day, and they walk a guy and they give up a hit and it's first and third with nobody out and they only get out of it, only give up a run, and they just grind through five innings. And they give up like a run or run or two on on four or five hits and they walk a couple guys and it's like, man, he didn't have his best stuff, but he gave his team a chance to win. Grinded through those five innings. That's kind of how Brock Purdy's game felt to me today. Like, man, this isn't, this isn't his best game, but he's figuring it out. 
with you. And I I think that's that's pretty impressive. I'm with you. Still undefeated. 193 all-purpose yards for Christian McCaffrey on 25 You're touches. You are you are deliberately bearing the lead. What's what's the lead? Jordan Mason first career touchdown. Come on, <laughs> come on. Our guy yeah. from 14 yeah. yards out gives the Niners a lead with 217 to go. I enjoyed his celebration too, where he's just like showing the ball to everybody. He's like, look, he's like, I finally got one. Like it, it, it I, the backstory has to be something about not scoring that Seattle touchdown late, late in the game. Yeah, when yeah. he like should have. I think he's he was pretty upset about not scoring there. Yeah. Um, so to get like a game ceiling or a, not a game ceiling, but an important late fourth quarter touchdown, um, I think was uh, was big for him. But no, like McCaffrey, like it wasn't even so much that he was the check down option today. I know there were like a good amount of check down throws, but just man, when you get a defense that's really trying to blitz your your young quarterback and you just have that option in the screen game. It's like, good luck, man. Like, good luck trying to defend these guys because it's, you know, he's he averaged 6.4 yards per carry. And I know the Raiders defense is not good, not like not good really at all. And they're missing a bunch of guys. But just when you cannot when when you can get like a less than stellar day from George Kittle, who had four catches for 23 yards, they only connected on half of his eight targets and you're missing Debo Samuel to have a guy who can still get you 190 all-purpose yards is just a luxury that not many teams have. Yep. So, um, I've always made sense. Yeah. Yeah. We said at the time, like, yeah, it's a lot for running back, but if you're in a scenario where Debo Samuel's out or George Kittle's out or Brandon Ayuk's out, like you just have another guy. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, that's what McCaffrey's been. He was super valuable today. Like it might be, like with Elijah Mitchell out, and if they have to play Jordan Mason and Ty Davis Price, they probably lose that game. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's probably lo- yeah, no, or it's, it's right. just a hell of a lot harder to win it with the way the defense no, no, is playing. No doubt. So it felt like for a large portion of the middle of the game, it was like McCaffrey was the only offense they had, which can be a little bit problematic, but. Um, just, I mean, he's he's really good, man. <laughs> he's, just, <laughs> he's just really good. I'm really impressed. I'm I'm really impressed with Christian McCaffrey. Like, I I covered a lot of his games at Stanford when I was working for AP, mm-hmm. and like I knew he was good, but it was hard for me to tell because like Stanford system and their offensive line was always right. so good. And you're like, yeah, he's a good running back, I guess. But it was like, and then I was like, damn, this guy's a top ten draft pick. Yeah. And, you know, you see, I, I, he did his first, he had his first ever game at um, NFL game at the 49ers with the Panthers in 2017. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, I get it. And then he has the monster years. And then you, but just to see it like every week up close, it's like, man, this guy's just, if he's healthy. It, he's just such a valuable player for a coach as smart as Kyle Shanahan who can figure out all the different ways to use him. Because that, to me, I mean, I said it over and over again, that's where his value lies and just how many different ways you can use him. And he's figuring out the offense. Yeah. 
like you can see there were there were times early on where when he's running he would he would create some yards but it, it wasn't as explosive as he thought it might be sort of tiptoeing through the holes yes. like trying to figure yes. out where where exactly the gaps are yeah and yeah. now it's much more decisive yeah he was good you know he might get four or five yards but that's now turning into nine 10 11 yards he is he is like regardless of what it looks like moving into you know next year and beyond the trade it was absolutely one the Niners had to make and I know there was some pushback on it when they made it because it's a lot of draft picks a lot of money it's a running back and it's 2022 but he just reshapes their entire offense and they make it he makes it so they continue being efficient and scoring a ton of points without Debo Samuel, which was not something that used to be the case. And it's, you know, it's Kittle and Ayuk and, and Juwan Jennings had a couple of big catches today, but Christian McCaffrey right now is the engine. If I would have told you when they made the trade that his first 10 games would be would go for like 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns, what what would your reaction have been? If his first nine games... Sorry, 10 games. First 10 games... 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. Man. Which is what he's done. That's like that's a season's worth of production in half right. a season. <laughs> he's, Man. He's, he's really good. He's yeah. really good. So. And this is the, this entire time that, that Samuel's been out, it's, you know, I know Brock Purdy is going to get the headlines and stuff, but man, there's, it's hard to step into a situation that's better than this. And Purdy still has to make plays. Like, I'm not trying to, to detract from him, but there, it, it, it certainly makes life easier on a quarterback when you have a playmaker like that, where, oh, tough spot, get it to 23. He's going to create some yards. Miami game. 17 runs, 66 yards. Uh, not great. Oh, but he adds eight catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay game, 14. He oh, he only catches he only catches two balls for 34 yards, but he gives you uh, four, 119 yards on four carries and a touchdown. Man. At Seattle, 108 yards, 26 carries. Six catches, 30 yards. Washington, not a whole lot in terms of like production, but he still scored a touchdown late. And then this one, he's almost at 200 all-purpose yards and a touchdown. Just bro, Christian McCaffrey's been with the 49ers for nine games, and he's fourth on the team in receptions. Well, ten games now. Um, how many catches did he have today? Six for seventy-two. So he's up to 49 and Kittle had four catches. Yep. So Kittle's a, so he's seven catches behind George Kittle in yeah. four fewer games. Yeah. That's man. What a player. Yeah. The running back value thing, I think is a fair conversation to have, but I, I think the important bullet point is like if a running back can, can be a really good check down option and be a really good guy in the screen game. Like that, that's just changes the equation. He is tied for the team lead in touchdowns yeah. with George Kittle. That's total touchdowns. Yeah. They get Debo Samuel back. Woo. They're going to be tough to defend with a rookie yeah, seventh round quarterback boy. That's it's I still, I'm still having a hard time wrapping my head around it. 
it's a it is, just an insane thing. It is pretty crazy. It it's is pretty is crazy. It, is it it feels crazier that he was the last draft pick versus an undrafted guy? Because it feels like we've seen a lot of undrafted guys, especially with the Niners, like come in and have a little bit of success, sometimes more than that. Yeah. But the fact that he was the last pick of the draft. It, I mean, it's look irrelevant. <laughs> Kyle Shanahan trusts Brock Purdy, I think, more than any other quarterback he's had with the 49ers. It's and I think even, it's I don't know if it's close. I think it's evident by the play calling. Like even yes. the very last play of was it yeah it was one of the last plays of regulation Mm -hmm. it's like oh they're just gonna run this here and then kick the field goal and it's like nope play action rolling left he had george kittle deep but he gets popped by the backside pass rusher Mm -hmm. like kyle shanahan never calls that play with jimmy garoppolo not even doesn't even think about it it's not even installed he's like very aggressive with brock purdy a guy who I think is like less talented than Jimmy in terms of just like a thrower. Yes. But he's a better mover and he just plays, I think with more poise, particularly when he's getting rushed. Well, and, and yeah, yes. And he is good at throwing the ball away. How many times have we talked on this podcast about Jimmy Garoppolo's inability to just throw the ball into the third row? There was there, man, just get rid of it. I think it was the third down uh, right before, I mean, the Raiders ended up scoring on the short field at the end of the second quarter, but it was a third down. Brock Purdy's in his own end zone. He sees nothing. He sprints so he could be outside the tackle box and throws the ball away so they can just punt it. Like Jimmy's throwing an interception or taking a safety or doing something super dumb in his own end zone rather than just get it, figuring out a way to get outside the tackle box and throw it away. Right. They're they're like a handful of throwaways a game where you're like, oh man, that was ugly. But you think about it, you're like, well, it was a throwaway, and there's no risk in an incompletion beyond just a loss down. Right. It's a new n- neutral play. Yeah, like as Jimmy, opposed to a negative play, like a sack or a pick. Right, and J- and that's one of the big things with Jimmy is like he tries so hard to make plays on every single snap. Yes, that he'll run himself into trouble trying to do too much. And Brock is very clearly okay with like, all right, I just need to do what I can to get rid of the ball here and -hmm. avoid catastrophe. And I think, I think that's, that's underrated. Yeah. Big time. That was one of the things with, with Garoppolo, the way he was playing before he got hurt, he was starting to throw it away here and there. It was just like, man, that's a game changer. If you're going from second and four and Okay, you can throw it away and have third and four, or you can try and force a throw into Debo Samuel, and now it's an interception. It's just that that's that's game changing. That's how you lose a game, or that's how you win a game. Where, eh, okay, defense doesn't have it today, but the offense is going to continue to make the right play. Right. So I, I just I I think that he I, I said this a million times, but I think Purdy knows his limitations as a player. And plays into his strengths and doesn't try and play beyond that. And that's probably a big reason why Shanahan trusts him more. Correct. Shanahan can be like, okay, I can call this pass play. And if it's not there, Purdy won't do something stupid. Whereas so often Jimmy would try to do something stupid when a play isn't there. Mm -hmm. And it works sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. I think that ultimately, like in terms of like criticisms of Jimmy Garoppolo, I think that's, that's ultimately the thing. Mm -hmm. Like, Jimmy's just prone to this, like the very bad, harmful play. Mm-hmm. 
where like he does a lot of good stuff, particularly within the confines of the offense. But the big issue with him is just being prone to that that re- that big screw up. Like Purdy's interception today, not a good throw. It was just not a good throw, but it wasn't like, oh, Brock's trying to do too much or, oh, Brock's trying to extend it. It was like, no, it was it was the right read. He just didn't execute the throw. It was mm-hmm. too far to the right. It wasn't far enough downfield. He thought Kittle was more open than he actually was. Right. And had he, I mean, Mark Sanchez said it during the broadcast in the middle of the play. He goes, oh, he's got him. And then Purdy right. tries to throw it to him, but it's way too short and way too far to the right. And it ends up getting picked. And I also thought Kittle could have done a better job of trying to at least knock that down so i i agree but at the same time i also think he thought he had a chance to catch it yeah and make a play yeah but i'm i'm with you like at some point it's just like all right you don't see kittle be like high pointing the ball like that too often Mm-mm. so no it was, it was a good was play un- by the defender but i thought i i like i think if you were to ask kittle after watching the film kittle would say like yeah i probably should have gone into defender mode more yeah maybe. yeah maybe but that to me but that's the interception you can live with though exactly that's what i was about to say like a a interception deep downfield you know is is much more acceptable at you know at the opponent's 19 yard line or whatever it was than like a short slant where you're trying to extend a play in your own territory and you're throwing it right to a linebacker well right yeah right and it wasn't the like where was he throwing that right it was like no he's trying to he was trying to score a, a bomb of a touchdown right like that's that's cool with me yeah same so. and it's what 10 he's at 10 touchdowns and three interceptions now four four interceptions How many uh... picks <laughs> i think it's i think it's four how about it is 10 touchdowns four interceptions i'll take that okay switch gears real quick niners are the two seed how about the Vikings of Minnesota going up to Green Bay and losing 41 to 17? Just getting shellacked. Having a 12 and 4 record, but a minus 19 point differential. Oof. Oof. <laughs> it doesn't Yikes. make any sense, man. They are the weirdest team of all time. They're seven and four in conference, and their conference point differential is minus 45. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't doesn't make any goddamn sense. No, no, so I I feel I feel validated for the opinion I had going into that game that Minnesota was going to lose against the Packers. Hey, can I real quick just shifting gears back to the Brock Purdy Jimmy Garoppolo thing real quick sure going into today so this does not include updated numbers from today but this is going into the game which is nuts Jimmy Garoppolo's completion rate 67.2 Brock's 67.0 uh Jimmy Garoppolo's yards per attempt 7.9 Brock Purdy's 7.9 yards per completion Jimmy 11.8 Brock 11.8 Passer rating, Jimmy, 103.0. Brock, 103.2. That's nutso. That is pretty wild. Uh, Brock has double the interception rate, though. But a higher touchdown rate, so... Well, Jimmy Jimmy did have a good stretch there of not making the boneheaded mistake. 16 touchdowns, four interceptions. 
in his Jimmy. final in what could be his final season with the 49ers, which was also Colin Kaepernick's TD to interception ratio, his last season with the Niners. Weird parallel there. Hmm. Maybe somebody will write about it. That sounds sounds like you you're you already got the inside track. No, no, no. Someone that'll give me like a full link with it. Jimmy Garoppolo or Colin Kaepernick in free agency, my column. um is jared sitting the real deal looked like it today (laughs) i had i I had extremely low expectations and he 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 balled out today he did he made some really freaking good throws he was hitting a lot of wide open dudes and he was throwing just a lot of 50 50 balls to Devontae adams but like when you have Devontae adams you can just Throw 50-50 balls, and he's really good at coming down with them. I'm not saying this is what you were saying, but what you said reminded me of this because it's a criticism of Brock Purdy. And I can't remember if I brought it up on the pod or not. My least favorite critique of a quarterback is, well, he's just throwing to open receivers. He's finding the open player and throwing it to that's, him. That's probably that's, like 65% that's... of like... That's what it takes to be a quarterback. Yeah, like throwing you have you have five of them. You're going against a defense. You have a pass rush to deal with. Finding the right guy to throw to is an incredibly important part of the of the whole right. process. Right. It's the like the <laughs> the the whole point. System quarterback. Well, yeah, like just about every quarterback that runs the plays that are being called is a system quarterback. The only non-system quarterback is Russell Wilson. I would like I would like him to throw it into traffic more often. Right. <laughs> what? In sports culture, especially with basketball, like, no, we, we only give guys credit when their teammates stink, when the yeah. circumstances are as difficult as possible, and then they win a championship. Like, nobody can have right. help or, like... what's That's what's amazing about Patrick Mahomes is he's just impervious to that. Right. Like, nobody has ever been like, Patrick Mahomes, well, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey or Andy Reid. Just like, no, he's just a gangster. I promise you it's not a coincidence that two of the best quarterbacks ever, Tom Brady and Joe Montana, happen to have two of the best head coaches ever in Bill Belichick and, and Bill Walsh. Although Bill Belichick on the hot seat in New England, if he has callers on WEI. It's great. Did they win today? Yes. The Dolphins now need to win and get help to get into the playoffs. The Dolphins have lost five in a row. Yeah, That's dude. Wild. But Mike McDaniel's exit is the reason the 49ers are struggling. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> struggling to nine straight wins. Um, all right. Well, Was Mike McDaniel, the real brains. Is Mike McDaniel helping the 49ers and not coaching the Dolphins right now? Mm. Who's to say? More at 11. Um, <laughs> let's get out on this. So in terms of how this game sets the table for the season finale against Arizona. I would say it seems likely that Debo Samuel is going to play. And I would say it's likely the 49ers defense is going to spend all week being pissed off about how they played against the Raiders. And I would think that the opportunity at the one seed, albeit remote, I guess it's not that remote. It wouldn't be completely crazy Mm -hmm. if the Eagles lost. But the Niners have plenty of motivation to win. Just the one seed being out, like they can't get the, there's no way they can get the one seed without winning. So like that in itself should be enough of a carrot for them to finish off the regular season 
with a lot of intensity, not have a letdown against a crummy team with, I don't even know who's going to play quarterback for Carolina, but, or sorry, the Cardinals, but, um, they might go for a fifth starting quarterback this year just to get to the round number. They started five quarterbacks this year. Four. That's wild. That's one fewer wild. than or one more than the 49ers. That's pretty wild. The 49ers are about to have the best regular season ever for a team that started three quarterbacks. I'm sure there's like one weird one where a team yeah. went like 14 and two and just randomly started three guys, but I'm going to say yes. <laughs> I'm going to say yes with more confidence than I should probably. Somebody have. who listens to this pod who's more willing to do the research than us will probably write a column about it. Okay, good. <laughs> but but I, I, all the signs, in my opinion, like coming off this game, all the signs to me are pointing for towards a really sharp performance in, in week 18. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah. It, it's, it's the... Uh... It's a little bit like what we saw when they played the Rams after they got shithoused by the Chiefs. Like yeah. They just came out. And I know it was the Rams, but you just really felt like they were going to play well. And that's kind of how I feel this week, too. Arizona lost on a game-winning field goal from Young Way Koo, 19-20. to 20. Yikes. Shout out to Desmond Ritter. His first, uh, his first NFL win. Blow what Blau? Blau Blau was the starter. Yeah, David Blau. David Blau. Detroit Lions legend. Thanksgiving Day legend. That's right. I knew I recognized that name from somewhere. Okay. We'll see. But I, I think I think the Niners are going to be intent. I mean, man, getting the one seed would be a wild development. And it feels like it's pretty realistic. Like not realistic, but like conceivable. I think the Eagles were fully expecting to not have Jalen Hurts play again in the regular season. And now they might need him to play next week. Yeah. Like that's. And even, even if the Eagles win, you wrap up the two seed. Assuming, I mean, maybe you get the Packers in week in the first week of the playoffs and that might be, that's a conversation for a different day. That might not be ideal if they sneak in as, as a seven seed. man. Like, I, I know the whole thing with, like, Niners always beat the backers, but, man, if you can avoid facing Aaron Rodgers, yeah. I would just do that. <laughs> that would be my, if I was the 49ers, my preference. Put it put it this way. Have a bye week or play against Aaron Rodgers. What would you rather do? <laughs> Somebody listening to this just now, and shout out to you if you're this person, maybe more than one person, went <laughs> facing Rodgers in the playoffs. It is like a bye week. Someone said that. Definitely. And I bet their name is John. Wow. Just or John catching strays. Actually, <laughs> these aren't even strays. These are direct shots at John. I was gonna say, no, these are uh, this is not a stray. <laughs> John is is in your crosshairs. You're just pulling the trigger. <laughs> right at John. Um you know what? John, John's Dale. not a real person. Anyone named Dale. <laughs> Dale. Wow. Just out okay. on Dales. Wow. Uh, just, no, so the Niners... Okay, let's stop alienating listeners, okay? <laughs> As a Kyle, <laughs> let me tell you, <laughs> getting your name made fun of is uh, something that, that you get used to. And nobody named John is going to be like, I'm tired of people making fun of my... Like, dude, you're John. You just got a rock solid name. Well done. Yeah. Anyways. Um, the Niners, I was gonna 
I, I did a I did a quick piece after the game. Quick piece, not big piece, quick piece. Full after the game. Though. Oh, the link was full as hell. You have no idea. So like laying out the Niners like scenarios for next week. You know, when Eagles lost, Niners the one seed. When uh they lock up the two seed, lose, Vikings lost two, all that, all that jazz. And I was gonna try and include a bit about like here's who they could face <laughs> if they the amount of scenarios of teams they could face in the first round are way too many. So I punted. Especially when you factor in like ties. Yeah, so I need to I need to do a deeper dive on all the um tiebreakers right now because I'm looking at the NFL's official standings on on NFL Jesus, NFL GSIS. Mm-hmm. Um Seahawks are in the seventh seed despite having a worse conference record and a worse strength of victory and a worse strength of schedule than Detroit, who's also eight and eight, and Green Bay, who's also eight and eight. So they beat they beat Detroit straight up. Oh, did they? Okay. Yes. That would explain it. Um, and I think the next tiebreaker is the because when it goes to three way, I believe the next tiebreaker is like division record. I it's think. I think it's it's division seed. Anyway, we can figure all this out. I'm just like looking at it. I'm like, how is De- how is Seattle over Detroit despite all these? But yeah, the head to head thing does make sense. So, but if Seattle wins and Detroit wins, Seattle gets the seven seed. So you'd get assuming that we're going to assume the Niners have the two seed right now. You would get Niners Seattle wild card weekend in Santa Clara. I don't think the Niners. I mean, it's hard to beat a team three times, but I don't think the Niners would have a huge problem with that. It's hard to beat a team three times, though. If Green Bay wins, Green Bay's in. Doesn't matter what Green Bay's winning it. And Green Bay can not get higher than the seventh seed, I believe, right? That's right. Okay. Because the Giants' uh, worst possible outcome is nine, seven, and one. And Detroit, Seattle, and Green Bay all have eight losses. So the Giants are locked into the six, which is why I don't think they're beating the Eagles. They could just try to, I mean, it's a divisional game. Those, no love lost. Throughout the records, wouldn't those two teams square off? Have have a chance to upset, have have a chance to beat your division rival and take them out of the one seed? I think the Giants would. (laughs) <laughs> find enough motivation I'm, I'm serious no hang on hang on you said throw the records out when these two teams play and the eagles beat them by like 30 a few weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i mean like i don't know I, I i i spent a lot of time watching the eagles saints game today and i was i i texted you guys early like in the first quarter i was like the saints are winning this game mm-hmm. and they did and it was just you know, obviously the Eagles are playing Gardner Minshew and they're dealing with a bunch of injuries and stuff, but it's like, man, you do, you don't want to limp across the finish line here. The Eagles going into today, just sidebar, were third and this is on offense, third and third down conversion rate, second and fourth down conversion rate, and first and red zone conversion rate. 72.2% of their red zone trips end in touchdowns. 
and 73.3% of their fourth down tries ended a first down. Man. And their defense is second in the league in yards allowed. Yeah. First in passing. They're struggling a little bit right now, though. And I think they let, I think they entered the week leading the NFL in sacks. Yeah, Eagles good are good, but I mean, given all the uncertainty with Jalen Hurts' injury and all that weird stuff going on injury-wise they're dealing with, Lane Johnson being out, that it's, it's not going to be easy for them to be the Giants, I don't think. Even though the Giants really don't have a lot to play for, but I promise you, like, the Giants are going to come out and play hard in that game. And it's really, just, just to kind of looking too far ahead here, but it's just, I think, in the NFL, how many times have we seen a team be playing like they're awesome through the first part of the year and then just kind of stumble into the playoffs? How many times have we seen that team just go out early? Yeah. Like it's so important to be playing your best football going into the playoffs. And the Eagles start right now. I maybe they're coasting and they'll flip the switch, but I just don't think that switch is super easy to flip in the NFL. Agree. Agree. Like I'm so interested. So so here's the other thing. The NFL will schedule their game, the Niners game, and the Vikings all at the same time. On Sunday, so you mean? Yeah. I'm guessing they'll all be one oh five kicks. Yeah. I'm the Packers Lions probably gotta be Sunday night, right? Yeah, they haven't flexed that officially to Sunday night yet. Um they did announce two Saturday night games. Really excited to catch uh, Chiefs at Vegas. And then, oh, Tennessee Jacksonville is Saturday night. Okay. I don't On that. ESPN. That's for the AFC South. Winners in, losers out. I'm glad they're putting that on a Saturday, though. Cowboys <laughs> and Durs, no. No chance. Who else we got? Brown Steelers? No. No, pass. Every Steelers game sucks. <laughs> I have never at halftime. Do you know what? Do you know what I did tonight? This is bad football fan Kyle, but whatever. I had no reason to watch that game. Um <laughs> I about I said halftime, but maybe it was late second quarter. I went. Hey, because my 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 wife and my mother in law were hanging out and watching the game and stuff and and making New Year's Day or a New Year's Day dinner, and I was like, "Hey, do we want to turn on a movie or something? <laughs> this game sucks. Like, I just don't want to watch the Steelers. They're a bummer. They're such a huge bummer. I mean, and the Ravens and Tyler Huntley, huge bummer. Pickett's fourth quarter, second half, of the fourth quarter was pretty impressive. Shout out." That game-winning touchdown to Annie Ox. What's his nine two five's finest? Najee Harris. Najee Harris. Thank you. No, it, it I just, believe the, I watched the Matilda musical on Netflix. It's very good. Oh, congratulations! Thanks, man. I don't have anything to add to that, other than I was going to say I'm elite. In. I'm elite for like remembering everything about a person or a figure, but their name. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I tell people I'm so bad with names. I'll tell people because I'm with you. I like I watch a Niner game and I'm like, oh, yeah, that sweep to Danny Gray that went for nine yards where he like stepped out of bounds like a step early. But man, he was, like I can tell 
I just, when I meet people, I'm like, I'm Kyle. It's really nice to meet you. I'm going to forget your name. Like, I'm re- I'm sorry. I'm, yeah. I, like, it's not a personal thing. I'm just letting you know that I'm, I hear your interaction. We're having this interaction. Mm-hmm. I'm going to forget. I'm, I'm going to remember, listening. I'm going to remember the details of our conversation. I'm going to remember your face. I might have an idea of what clothes you're wearing, but man, ask me your name next time I see you. Not going to remember. <laughs> I called you Chad for the first six weeks we knew each other. <laughs> oh, man. I hope not. Do I look like a Chad? No, no we're done. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> we're, no. done we're done alienating dry. names. On I'm this like, podcast. you don't look like a Chad. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get out of here. Uh, we'll talk about the Niners season finale against the Cardinals coming up mm. next weekend at Levi's Stadium. Probably. <laughs> yeah at some point if if we still have listeners if, if all our listeners are not named chad john and what was the other one dale dale yeah. uh, everyone else not named those things we'll keep listening to this pod but uh yeah we'll talk to you guys later um should be should be an interesting final week of the season i think with i mean if they snuck out of this thing with the one seed after starting the way they did trey lance losing to the bears and then breaking his ankle next week whoo that would be wild. I might, I might legitimately just get on the podcast and laugh for a while. <laughs> the one seed, all of that, and they ended up being the one seed. Wow, no, more more than likely the two seed. You want to talk about Kyle Shanahan getting coach of the year? That's how he gets it. That's a good if, point. unless the voting's done already. That's a pretty good point. Like I think Kyle Shanahan has I did been. It, <laughs> I think Kyle Shanahan's been probably second or third throughout most of the year, at least the second half. Yeah. But if he does end up finishing with a higher seed than Nick Sirianni, obviously the Niners are better than Brian Dable's Giants. Mm-hmm. Like if the Niners get the one seed with their third string quarterback and Kyle Shanahan doesn't get coach of the year, that would be, I would yeah. call shenanigans. I would, I would tweet shenanigans on the internet. <laughs> hey, sneaky, interesting, not interesting. This is not that interesting. Just kind of a funny quirk here. Remember how we said we were going? Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, we're not. Okay. If the Niners get the one seed and then the Bears lose and Houston beats Indy, the Niners will be the number one seed in the NFC playoffs who lost to the Bears, who will have the number one pick in the draft. (laughs) Hell yeah. That's almost like when they in week two of 2019, yeah, when they the were Bengals. underdogs against the Bengals, Niners ended up going to the Super Bowl and the Bengals, Bengals had the number one pick for Joe Burrow. Yes. Because the Bengals, remember, that was the, they opened in Seattle that year and gave Seattle like a game. Yeah. And they were like, and the Niners played like not great. They got the two like, pick in yeah. Tampa. And I think there were like four or five point underdogs. I think it was two or two and a half. But two, oh, okay. Sorry. It was like, it was like, Definitely a game. I remember talking to Bonte Hill. I was like, man, this is going to be tough. The Bengals are physical. Give to Seattle hell. And, oh. and then just kick the shit out of him. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, fun oh, week. In, fun week back in... Uh, Dude, Youngstown? Yeah, you my, old, my old stomping grounds in the great state <laughs> of Ohio. Sorry, man, by the way. Oh, about the Ohio State Nate, game? Nate, I, well, here, I'll... You t- I'll have, I have a thing for you, but I can tell it off air. Nobody cares. Okay, I mean... I look, just want to say it publicly, I'm sorry. Honestly, I know like so there, there there are a couple different Ohio State fans, right? There's the Ohio State fan who is livid every time they don't win the national championship, which I get. Like it's That's cool to have point. like high standards. That is definitely not me. <laughs> um there's like the moral victory Ohio State fan who's like, well, 
they're still an elite program and blah, blah, blah. They still got there and almost won. I'm sort of like in the middle, like they didn't have their top two receivers. They didn't have their top tight end. They didn't have their top running back. And they were a missed kick away from, from winning, mm-hmm. going to the natty. Which and the good the good news is is he was coming onto the field for that kick. You knew he was going to miss. See, Ruggles has been solid. Like I think a lot of people consider him an NFL kicker. Sure. So like I was kind of surprised. I I was feeling confident. I was like, all right, this guy's like a a real actual kicker, not like some of these dudes you see in college. And boy, did he look like one of those dudes you see in college when he missed that thing. When he took, I you can when he took his helmet off after the timeout, he like took his helmet off for the second. I looked into his eyes and could tell he did not have that dog in him. <laughs> and our buddy Nate, our, our buddy Nate goes, hey, there's no chance he's making this right. Like, no chance. So I have more to tell you about that, but I'm not going to bore anybody with it. Candlestick Chronicles. I'm so mad at Nate just perpetually. All right, we're out of here. Uh, Cooper's Brewing. Drink good beer. Except Nate. Everyone. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.